I don't know if this episode tells me anything, Clay, about Star Trek Enterprise, except for the fact that it didn't do much with it, but it got a slight boon out of being semi-serialized for two episodes in a row that were in a double header. I um this this episode obviously we're talking about Dead Stop, which takes place right after Minefield. And I I really like that you say it like it's uh, your favorite DC Comics character, Dead Stop. <laughs> just, the, good, the, the emphasis on this on the syllable is I, I find amusing but. dead stop is the name of the episode um it carries over from minefield where the damage that they suffered in minefield is now like the primary thing that they're trying to fix in this episode but uh even little small character moments i thought carried over kind of nicely where archer makes a reference to um reed thinking that his discipline is lacking in this one which makes mm-hmm. no sense unless you've seen minefields but uh, I, I didn't think we needed to talk about it really because it doesn't have much to do with the episode. But I think I would have liked Enterprise to be... I, I think this early mission stuff would have worked better as a more heavily serialized story if they had told mm-hmm. it. Like, imagine if the ship got damaged and it um, it took six episodes or something for them to get right. back from where it was. And, like, you, it just gives you a... It gives you a sense of... Um, lasting danger that I don't think Enterprise really manages to charm up when it's just episode by episode. But I, I liked it. I don't know if you really noticed it or thought anything about it outside of the uh, the linking together, but I thought we'd get it out of the way before we get into the main episodes. Would you or would you not want more serialized storytelling from Enterprise at this point? Um, if they did it like this, yeah, I think I would. Because uh, I, I agree. Because the, the way that they've been doing it up to this point is very uh, safe, because the ship never really gets damaged. Nobody's been killed yet. Uh, not that you need to kill people to make an interesting show, but just like there's there's very little in the way of uh, actual uh, danger, it seems. Because you know it's, it's, uh, they're all going to uh, skate out, no problem. So uh, I was surprised when this episode started with the, with the Enterprise still being damaged. I just assumed they were going to have fixed that off screen. And... What I one of the things I actually really liked about this episode is uh, it reminded me a lot of a Doctor Who episode, and a lot a lot of times those while if they're not directly serialized, they do have some hangover where like the damage that happens to the TARDIS at the end of one episode directly influences the reason why they landed on this new planet and like why they can't immediately get out of there that kind of thing. Yep. So it's it's not it's not it's it's uh, uh, connective tissue serialization more than it is narrative serialization, which I think it, for a show like this is a is a uh, is a big benefit. Yeah, sorry you cut out there a little bit at the end, but I understand what you're talking about more of um more of like a connective tissue type thing more than a sort of like main drive that they're trying to push stuff to. It makes it feel more lived in, you know. Yeah, it, it's. The fact that the the ship's all damaged and people aren't at one hundred percent all the time gives it a little bit because this show is trying to be a more grounded, uh, for lack of a better term, realistic, relatable version of Star Trek, and giving the characters and the situations more lived in feeling goes would go a long way. I think. All right, we're going to talk about Dead Stop. Uh the next episode of Star Trek Enterprise. So we'll take a break, we'll play a clip from the episode, and then we'll come back and we'll break it down. They've isolated every hull breach, every damaged system. I'll be damned. We scratched the hull right there a year ago. I bumped it with the inspection pod, remember? I thought I told you to have that repainted. I was getting around to it. Okay, so Dead Stop is the fourth episode of the second season of Star Trek <laughs> Enterprise. It aired on the 9th of October, 2002. I guess, I guess I'm, I'd rather you say Dead Stop than Minefield, because okay. the second one sounds more like um, a questionable work of literature, I guess. Uh, Minefield. That, maybe literature is not the right word, but you know what I mean. Brought you to a, brought you to a total dead stop with Minefield. Um, first aired on the 9th of October, 2002. Written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong, directed by Roxanne Dawson, in-universe date is unknown, but it's 2152. In this episode, Enterprise docks with a strange automated repair space station, which proves too good to be true. You said you liked this one. Do you want to explain yourself? Did you, did you not like this one? No, I... 
I'm um, I liked this one, but in some ways, I, I I have some sort of major problems with it. But at the same time, I really I like it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I to me, this one feels really, really reminiscent of uh, Fight or Flight from the first season, which is the one where they find the aliens that are being drained of their bodily fluids. Sure. Sure. Because it's this kind of strange setup situation where they run into a weird thing that isn't really explained by the end of it. Mm -hmm. I just think that the non-explanation of this episode is a little bit less satisfying than the flight or flight one, because I can, in fight or flight, I can kind of understand, you know, there's just some alien that's doing some nefarious thing by draining these other aliens. And it's like, I don't don't need to know what they're doing with it. But the space station here is, if it's, Built, if it's doing the purpose that it's built for, I don't really understand why it's doing what it's doing. And if it's doing right. something nefarious to build itself into a supercomputer, they don't really clarify that the repair thing is just a trick to do that. Like, it's, you never mm-hmm. get the impression that the space station is up to anything other than trying to repair ships and it wants to get better right. at repairing ships. Yeah. So, yeah. I, that's my main problem with it. Yeah. I, uh, I really liked it. Um, I think because I, I I've talked before in the past about this show and compared to Doctor Who, <clears throat> and maybe it's unfair for me to say that I like this one because it was so reminiscent of Doctor Who, but it it just felt of that same kind of piece that they the kind of story they do a lot on that show where they find this uh, abandoned or or empty space thing that uh seems to be seems to give them everything they could ever want but then ultimately has some sort of uh, nefarious uh, back into it and i think i agree with you i think where it falls off and is a, a place where the to my memory anyway the doctor who episodes usually don't is that they do always give you some sort of explanation as to what's going on it doesn't have to be the most uh in-depth thing like i don't need i don't need the machine to start reading the backstory of the of the space station or anything but um i think this one does need a little bit of of explanation as to what's going on because it's it's just like it's given what it's doing it's too much for it to to just just be out there you know like fight or flight that ship that they go on to to the best of my memory it's not really a that big of a deal. It's just a ship. It's got some people on it. It's fucked up. It's weird. And they they're like, we got to get out of here. There's no there's no upside to that. Right. If I remember, well, you right? wouldn't. Yeah, the way I, I what it sounds like you're saying to me is like on a on a star on their like report back to Starfleet, they wouldn't put that ship on a map. You know, and be like, there's a there's right. an alien ship here that you guys have. Like this thing seems like you should notate that this thing exists out here and that people right. are going to want to come yeah. and look at it. Like think of it if think of it in larger Star Trek terms. If this space station were a planet, which is a story I feel like they've done at least a few times, where it's like, oh, we went down to this planet and the planet gave us all these things that we wanted, and it turns out, oh no, this civilization is secretly cannibals or some shit. And you usually get some sort of explanation as to what's going on, and that and it's not usually just we need to kill all these cannibals and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. It's it's usually a little bit more nuanced than that. And I think this is on the same level because it's this space station that can fix your ship like a thousand times faster than any than if you've docked in your own place. It does it for relatively cheap, uh, aside from the fact that they're abducting one of your crew members. Yep. And it has all of this technology that you can't even fathom at that point, the replicator and blah, 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 blah. So that's kind of a big deal. And for this thing just to be out there... And they get there, they stay there, and they leave with no information, like not even like a H.P. Lovecraft at the Mountains of Madness type uh, explanation where it's like they find some sort of log that gives them the bare bones or at least some sort of abstract idea of what happened here or why it's here. Yeah, It seems like too big of a thing to discover for it just to be... Uh, let's blow it up because I actually was thinking, and it also rebuilds keep- itself, so it's going right. to exist at the end, yeah. right? Which was cool. I actually I like that. That was a cool ending. Um, uh, I not to 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 keep hogging the conversation here, but I as I was watching it before we got too deep into the story, my first thought was this would be a great opportunity if I'm like using my 
my my uh, alternate writing version of Enterprise we've kind of talked about a bit about how we would handle the characters. If you had Reed go down with them to the space station so he sees what's going on, and then the the conflict turns into Reed being like, we have to blow this up because this has scanned our ship scanned our people it knows everything there is to know about starfleet now and all of our secrets and 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 uh and defenses and stuff we don't know who's going to come into this thing next this is a huge hazard if we leave this here and just and just leave yep. after it fixes our ship and then archer you know has the more morally high ground or whatever but obviously that's not the story they told but it's the same kind of th- thing that i think they're kind of dancing around where it's like this thing it seems like it should be a bigger deal to find out kind of what's going on here and why this is happening. And I, I, they, they don't give you anything other than brain sucking. Right. And I, I, I think you have two options here, which I kind of touched on. I don't know what you think is being implied or which one you would think is superior. It's either doing what it's doing because it wants to improve as a self-repair station, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's really just kind of living up to its programming or it's like, I want to be the best repair station I can be. And to do that, I need to build a super brain computer. So I'm, I'm going to hijack some people to do that. But my ultimate right. goal is only to repair things very well. Or it's something more nefarious, which a few of the patrons are going to mention, it seems almost Borg-like in that it's mm-hmm. it's assimilating people and it does so under the guise of like we give you great repairs for very cheap and that's the catch like they they, they don't want to seem they don't want to seem too suspicious so they make you pay like 10 cents for you to get a brand new car so you can get like the tax write right. off or something like they right. they do some very small thing to trick you and to assimilate your knowledge from the ship and to hook you up to a collective type thing Mm-hmm. But there's something deeper going on. Did you did you get an impression either way, or what? Like what you would prefer out of that story? Um, as far as backstory, no. As far as whether or not it's only a program trying to be the best repair station it can be, or if there's something deeper, more menacing going on outside of that, where they where it's more Borg like, and that they're trying to assimilate all knowledge and all stuff like that, and do something else besides repair ships with it. Honestly, I didn't even. I don't I didn't really even get to that point just because there's no like nobody on the ship even really digs that deep into trying to figure out what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it doesn't ultimately end up really becoming a point of the episode. No. Um, so you just thought this, it was a, a repair station is the whole point of it. That it's just Well, I mean, well, first of all, <laughs> when they first show up to this thing where it's like they send out this crackly message and then they show up and it's like yeah it's opening up and to to in, invite our ship in and it's getting all warm and the air's now breathable I, I i i couldn't i couldn't believe that nobody on the bridge was like captain this is a trap right. captain yeah this is a trap it is a trap i think there has never been a more clear trap than this i think they have that by there's a little bit of hesitance where our where trip is kind of sure, like we don't have sure. many options here and they they kind of do i i agree with you that everyone is fairly lackadaisical about it like it's a i think that they what i what i think is actually a weakness of the first part of the script is that i think that they underplay that a little bit so it's there's very little conflict early on it, it's right, just kind right. of archer going like hmm this is a strange thing but after that it's, it's about 20 minutes of them kind of getting greeted with the novelty of the space station which i think they could have played up a little bit more i think they're trying to hint at it but it's not done very well they mm. you know otherwise if they don't get repaired it's going to take them 10 years to get home that's the kind of thing right, that they're up right. against yeah it would have been nice then if it wasn't read then i mean i think uh Trip could have filled that same role of being like, Captain, this is not okay. They now, they're fixing our stuff. We need it to be fixed, but we have to discuss the fact that they now know everything there is to know about our ship. Yeah, it's... And, you know, and... Go ahead. And anybody, anybody could, if we can't, maybe we can't figure out how to crack this database, but somebody else might. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, is is it, is this... A precursor to the Borg? Is that what's going on? I don't think that's ever said. I don't think that's ever oh, okay. implied. Because I know the Borg, the Borg does show up in this series. They do. Right? They come in this season too. But I don't. What if it's control? It could be control. <gasps> could, right, we could, <laughs> well, no, that this would be pre-control, right? So I don't know. Control is a time traveling element. Who knows where it starts? Controls time. All it, it takes is. It, all it takes is one little like uh, tentacle piece to jump through the time stream. No, it isn't. Isn't, sudden, isn't control the uh, the section thirty one AI? 
Yeah, uh, Controls the Section 31 AI that is like... Figuring. Right, but isn't doesn't it get turned evil by some future thing that jumps through the time stream and like... Isn't that the ending to Picard? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because they... There, I there's definitely a thing that triggers the AI to go bad. Like it, it gets assimilated by like a future thing. That's oh. why everybody started thinking it was the Borg because they thought it was the Borg going back in time. I don't. I honestly don't remember. Now I'm just realizing. I think, and now I, I'm realizing. It, well, because the Romulans and Picard were scared of that technological AI from the future or something like the hellscape dimension. Whatever. That's. <laughs> I might I might be blending some things in my memory, but I am almost positive that the catalyst to the the control evil AI thing was, was something future. that came from the future or some sort of like time slip okay. or something. People let us know. People will obviously let us know. I don't I don't remember also, control doing that, but go ahead. Just thinking back, can you believe that all of that stuff happened in the first season of that show? Like that whole control thing Wasn't was that the, the first second season, season, right? No, it's the second season. No, control was the first season. First season was the mirror universe. Control was this Control is just the second season, I think. What? Right? There's no control. No. <laughs> There's no what does control do in the Klingon War versus the mirror universe? What does it do in the second season? It is the Oh, you're right. Because Section 31, George Zhao and those guys are only in Section 31 at the end of the first season. So that's the second season. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm getting I'm getting it all mixed up because Pike is now screwing up my timeline in my head because it's like, well, Pike was there. He didn't have anything to do with Section 31. Oh, right. But that's post-Enterprise. Just, just to clarify, like Pike is five. That's five years before TOS, and this is 100 years before TOS. There's so there's so much going on in that show. Like I, I'm just I'm thinking of like you've got this red the red angel thing happening, and which is involving time travel and Spock and all yes, this kind of stuff. That's and also, yeah. and also section thirty one was going on at the same time. Is that I honestly don't remember section thirty one time traveling. Um, no, no, no. Section thirty one doesn't time. I know we're way off topic here. But, but control, but, you but, think but, control I, is somehow impacted by time traveling? I think yes. I think that was. Uh, I think so. I'm not 100 percent positive now because uh, clearly my memory is blending everything together. Yeah. <laughs> People can go back and listen to our coverage of season two of Discovery and let us know. Um, it, sorry, wh- where do we get this from? Dead stop. You were oh, we were talking about whether or not the uh, the, the, the the that station was a, a precursor to the. Oh, board. sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it is. To answer your question, I think it's just a, a very similar idea. Uh, that honestly, if it was the Borg, I think that this series is not subtle enough to not tell you that it's the Borg in some way. Um, and it's also, I don't think it fits with the canon of what the Borg should be doing at this point, that they have something like this. It seems too uh, too primitive for what they're up to. So it's more just a weird Twilight zone Doctor Who thing, which I which I like because I think Enterprise does that kind of stuff well. And this one, this is a story that I think works really well for Enterprise's setup, which is that there's a lot of mysterious stuff out there and you don't really get answers all the time. But I just I just don't think that you, I think you need answers for this storyline as opposed to fight or flight. Right. And it's, it's unsatisfying yeah. that you don't get them. And it leaves you wondering, once the episode is over, you look back at it and you go, well, why why was the station doing any of this? Like I, well, it's more that not that I question that they're doing it. It's I question the mechanics that they were undertaking to accomplish their goal is confusing. If you don't understand why they're doing it that way. Right. Like there's not even, they don't even have, I was kind of expecting like a forbidden planet type thing. First of all, I would like to say uh, my point still stands that a lot happens on that show, Discovery. <laughs> There's so much happening on that show. It's really difficult to track everything that's going on. It is. Um, uh, but um, they don't even do like a Forbidden Planet type thing where you find out that, oh, the the this thing was created by people and then it was ultimately a, the people were consumed by it or something. Like the, you don't get that sort of like um, – magic book explanation of 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 the history of this thing and it it really feels like it's screaming for it like uh some yep. sort of like crackly video where it's like we we turned it on and it was so good for the first year and then all of a sudden now it's it's eating all of us or some shit you know uh, it's yeah yeah it, i'm i'm really surprised they didn't do that um 
Because by the end of it, when they blow it up, I found myself thinking, man, it's really a shame they got to blow this thing up. Yeah. Like they don't know anything. About, it, it seemed a little out of character because the, again, going by going by the Doctor Who template that I'm superimposing onto this, ultimately when the Doctor blows up something like this or destroys it, it's after she finds out that it is, there is some nefarious underpinning to what's going on. Um, it's not just, huh, this is a really fascinating piece of machinery that seems like well, there's nobody here to really deal with it, so it's kind of getting out of control. We should probably destroy it. Like, they don't ever really do that. There's mm-hmm. always some uh, malicious or evil underpinning to uh, f- uh, facilitate why they have to destroy it. This one, obviously, it's it, it grabbed Mayweather, but, like, this is a unbelievable piece of machinery that they have. This is, like unlike anything they've ever seen. Yeah. If uh, if Reed isn't the one who wants to blow it up, Reed's the one who's like, hey, maybe we don't blow it up and maybe we try to like tow this back to a start base or something. Because mm-hmm. this is this could like change the, as as uh, Trip goes into, he's like, if, if we had a replicator, I'd never have to look for parts again. I could just build them all around on the ship. Yeah. So it's like kind of a game-changing piece of machinery that's just out there in space that they ultimately end up destroying without giving it a second thought. Yeah. Yeah, I well, let me see here. So I, I guess that there's the, there's the the problem of like whether or not this I think that the the mystery there kind of works it's as you're saying it runs into the problem of it's so powerful that and the way that the episode ends it almost feels like they're never going to bring this up again uh you know and it, it it's also strange that they they talk to the tellerites at the very start and the tellerites are the ones that tell them to go to this place um mm. that just seems well see that was i didn't know if that was part of like it was like a fake distress call coming from the place or something no that's another ship telling them to go visit it um, it was a oh, ship that was okay. too far away from them, but it told them about this space station that they can go to to get repaired. Uh, and that's just kind of a, you, you know, like it, it just adds another kind of wrinkle into the mystery of what's going on because the tell do the tellerites use it all the time? Aren't they always kind of weird when they go there and one person always dies mysteriously? Is that just an acceptable right. trade off for the tellerites who use this thing? It just it does feel too too big to just be existing out there, especially early on in Enterprise. So it's this kind of the weird thing where it's, I like the early story. I like how much of an early story in Star Trek this can be. But at the same time, it feels like something in this, like this in your backyard is a bigger deal than the episode treats it like. Right, exactly, yeah. For your, I actually had a, Mayweather and Reed are fascinating in this episode. Uh, Mayweather lives up 100% to his characterization in this show so far where he gets taken out and is just dead for half of it i can see why they keep him around though because oh boy man that boy is ripped no i know you well after you you know you give you give the young gentleman in the audience some to paul they follow it up with a little bit of of shirtless mayweather i think a little bit a little bit of lady a little bit of all man he um they say that he weighs 79 kilograms in this, which is 158 pounds. He weighs far more than 158 pounds, I would have to assume, right? Unless he's like five I, foot I don't four, know. like that. He's, I, have, I don't know how to, how to, uh, to I've not, I don't know how to base, I'm awful at judging people's weight, I am especially in, people who are in shape. <laughs> I'm in no condition like his and I weigh 185. So he must weigh more than me. Like he, he doesn't seem short or anything like that. I was just, I'm always, mm. I'm always, I, I had to do the math to figure out how much he actually weighed because I think it's always weird and wrong when people do that. And I just don't believe that he weighs 158 pounds unless he's five foot three. Um, I mean, he might be he might be falsifying it so he can get under the the weight class for the rest of the league. He's in <laughs> that, or something. That's true. His birth date is also he played little league in Cuba for 12 years before he <laughs> came over. He, well, he dies, which is what Mayweather does. I. One thing that I thought was weird, how I talked about at the start about uh, Reed sort of an archer having this connection that they had in Minefield, unless this, unless they're saying that Reed has drastically changed personality because of what happened in Minefield, I think this episode in Minefield paired together just goes to show what we were talking about when we said that Reed is the worst character on the show so far, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. his semi-autistic nature in Minefield is not at all present when he's talking to trip about stuff he, mm-hmm. he's not a weird character in that way he's not 
so focused on his duty that he's unwilling to go along with Tripp's little like crazy heist plan that he that he gets stuck with. Right. I right. I just think Reed makes no sense, and I would have put Mayweather in the Reed position in this story because I think Tripp convincing Mayweather, the young ensign, to do something like this with him makes more sense than convincing Reed, the standoffish aloof character, to go in on him with it. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that. Reed is acting as a uh, security officer, so he wants to have a better understanding of what's going on. But they don't play it that way. No, no, just two two friends going in on a heist. I, I, that's mm-hmm. all. I don't really have much else to say about those characters in that episode. It's just it really highlighted to me how inconsistent Reed is as a character. Mayweather is like a like a rock. He's he's going to be dead halfway through the episode, and then they'll bring him back, and that's the end of it. But again, again, the horrible things that happen to him all happen off screen, and they just. They just pull his body in after the commercial break, and they're like, yep, he's dead this time. Last time he broke his ankle, uh, and we just off screen, and we carried him in. This time he's dead. So only only thing about the only thing about Mayweather, I didn't really buy uh, the fact that he skipped out on breakfast with Archer, and Archer is brought to tears about this, and then is like, Mayweather, we got. Oh, I thought it was. I thought Archer skipped out on breakfast on him. Oh, he did. Did they mention that at the start of the episode, or is it only brought up halfway through? I, th- I think it's only brought up halfway through. Okay, that that I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but if I am wrong, then yes, the the way that they play that is inconsistent with what actually happened because it does. It seems like the kind of thing where Archer was like, "Ah, I blew off breakfast with Mayweather." Now I feel really bad that I did that because right. he's dead. Yep. <laughs> but if it's the if it's the other way around, I don't know why he would be super upset. Of a, I don't know. It, Either way, I think you yeah. run into the problem of um, Enterprise is not really setting up those character relationships that well at this point. Like sure. it, re- it, fe- it feels like it's really out of nowhere that Archer is so disturbed by the fact that he didn't share eggs Benedict with Mayweather before he passed away. <laughs> and when he comes back... It's like they're like two ex lovers or something. He's like, We're gonna we're mm. gonna hang out soon, buddy. And he's like, All right, Captain, we're gonna <laughs> hang out. It's like I I just I didn't Mayweather's like, Captain, there's a reason I blew off breakfast with you last week. <laughs> it was just it's a weird script decision because I, I feel if you're gonna write an episode that ends on that, the cold open should have been about that kind of thing. You know, like the, sure. you kind of drop that hint early on and then you resolve it it just feels like they bring it up halfway and then at the ending they resolve everything and it just it feels very inconsistent and sort of tacked on it's just like it's almost like a note that they're like we love the sci-fi plot of this but how about we get some character relationship stuff going on and they're like okay archer feels really bad that mayweather died like if the opening scene in the cold open was archer talking to trip and he's like man this ship is really destroyed. I really don't know what's going on because I don't think we're going to get out of here. But you know what really chaps my ass? Mayweather blew <laughs> off breakfast with me. You know what? Honestly, maybe this is too harsh. Wish that guy was dead. I had to eat both plates of eggs and I'm constipated now and I haven't shit in three days <laughs> because I've got so much egg inside of me. And I know that's the, I mean, you're joking, but I, I sort of feel funny about that. Like I, I don't No, I agree. It's it is a weird thing to put in there just like as a as a it feels like a almost like someone yells it from off screen or something. Right. You know, it's just it's or, a yeah. really like minute detail. <laughs> yeah, like um Bacula is like, what's my motivation here? Like what why why do I feel bad? They're like he he skipped brunch with you on Mother's Day and you're like, Oh, okay, mm-hmm. got it. That's very insignificant to the plot overall, I think, but it's just kind of a strange uh minor detail and Again, as much as I like some of this stuff, I think that the show still goes into weird enterprise stuff that I, I'm not really, I don't think is particularly good writing. Like the action sequence that gets them out of this at the end is what we always complain about, which is just someone says, fire a torpedo to get us free. And the guy goes, right. we can't shoot it this close. It'll do damage to the enterprise. He goes, we got to do anything it takes. And they fire it and there's no bad ramification from it. So it's right. like, yeah. you know, they just, they throw up, fake dialogue that makes you think like there's a bigger problem than there actually is and then they just resolve it and wash their hands of it and i I really don't like that kind of stuff yeah we uh uh, we just did an episode of badass where uh that involves batman having to fly to london to stop red claw from uh shooting a weapon of mass destruction at london and completely wiping it out Mm -hmm. and it ends with the uh did i say white claw because i meant red no you said red claw okay good i get i get cheap booze on my brain i guess (laughs) um 
it ends with her firing the missile off and then Batman is flying after it in the Batwing. And this the whole episode they've been talking about this being like, I'm gonna wipe London off the map if this thing blows up. And then Batman shoots it with two torpedoes or two missiles like 25 feet from Big Ben. Yeah. And it just explodes like a normal, like small <laughs> explosion. And then it's just over. That's just it. Yep. And then Batman just like wipes his brow and he's like, well, guess I'm going home. Yeah. A lot of upselling going on with the size of the explosion and the damage of the torpedoes yeah. firing at that close. Yeah, that's... um that's about that's really it. I mean, what is is that is that the major takeaway for Dead Stop from you? You just didn't like the space station's lack of resolution. Yeah, I actually really did like this episode quite a bit. I did the too. Body of it. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was fun and creepy in a nice way. They do creepy. Yeah, right. yeah. They they it was fun and creepy, and it was creepy. They they weren't leaning on the creepy that they've been doing before, which is like lots of dark corners and stuff, you know, shifting around and skittering around and whatnot. They did it. Everything's really bright, and they played on the creepiness of the technology more than like the more human creepiness of what's that thing in the corner that I can't quite see. Right. You know, it's yeah. it's very much a sci-fi creepy, which uh, again is that's the kind of thing they do on Doctor Who that I think they do really effectively a lot of the time. A very creepy Apple Store. Is what this place is. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, although the weird, the weird scene, I was, I, I understood what they were doing, but it, it still struck me as strange, mostly because of the way that they wrote the computer space station character, where where Trip is like trying to stall for time, and the computer just keeps going. I don't understand your inquiry. And he's like, Hey, I got these screws. These things are loose. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? I don't understand your inquiry. But he, the the response that the computer keeps saying is, I don't understand your inquiry. I don't understand why he has to tell it this story to stall yeah. for time. You know what I mean? <laughs> why? Why is he? St- how is he stalling for time? Uh, imagine. Okay, he could just recite the alphabet. Card he company. could just be like A B C D E. And well, this, first, yeah. Bef- even before that, the, just on a on a on a uh, conceptual basis, imagine calling your credit card company, right? And you're trying to run some sort of credit card company scam on your computer. Your buddy's trying to do it behind you. So it's like, okay, I'll stall for time. So you call your credit card company and the the voice comes on and it gives you all of the prompts as to what buttons to press. And you just keep going, hey, I don't know what's going on, but my credit card, blah, blah, blah. And the response just keeps going. Does not compute. Please take, select one of the options we've given you. Well, I'll tell you something, buddy. I don't like your tone. It's like you're talking to a recording. Right. You're not stalling for you talking to the the automated phone thing is not stopping the infrastructure of Citibank from noticing you're trying to break into it right. from your computer. Right. Yep. It's not like it's not like there's one digital person that can only deal with one thing at a time. You're this. The whole space station is literally. <laughs> <laughs> this gigantic Super computer brain, yeah. that makes billions and billions of c- calculations every nanosecond, as they said before. But if you're an ass, I'm not sure about that. Oh, now I'm talking. I'm sorry, my my Alexa just barked at me because I'm <laughs> shit talking computers. But it's uh, uh, you know, and uh, but you're barking at it is all of a sudden going to like reroute all of its resources to try and figure out why you're being a dick. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good analogy as to what it is. That's exactly what he does. He. He he makes up a he he anthropomorphizes something that's clearly not sentient to him, and it's just a service function as to like tell me what you want fixed, and here's give me the money. Um, you know what I would have done? I don't know what you would do here. I don't know what the the MacGuffin that you use here is, but I think back to the prisoner, uh, the general episode of the prisoner where everybody's doing the, like insta learn thing, and it turns out it's this giant computer processor that. Print out now paper. looks quaint and ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it can answer any question you possibly give it. And so, number six, being all sly and cocky, walks over to the to the typewriter and hits three keys, and then feeds the question uh, or four keys rather, and slits and uh, slides the question into the computer. And then the the computer starts whirring, and then smoke starts shooting out of the computer, and then the whole thing explodes. And the guys are like, "What did you do? This can answer any question in the world. What did you What did you ask it?" Alexa, I'm doing something. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm sorry. I can't. I have to be nicer to my appliances, I guess. But anyway, uh, and he says, I just hit four keys. W-H-Y question mark. And that 
it, it's such an abstract idea that it doesn't have a hard answer, so the whole thing collapses on itself. Yep. I was kind of hoping they did something like that instead of just blowing the thing up, where it's like, if you really want to... This computer is so almost godlike that blowing it up seems like just such a, a, a ham-fisted way to get out of it. Mm-hmm. If you really want to uh, create this idea that you're buying time, present it with a question or a, or a life form or something that when it scans it, it can't figure out what it is. Yeah. You know, I don't, again, I don't know what that thing is. Maybe that's an unrealistic thing or whatever. I don't know. But I feel like that's the more, that's the, the, more clever way to do it instead of yelling at it like it's it's an HBO I mean I uh worker. I thought they sent in Trip because the thing would just endlessly debate schematics with him about it. You know? Or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why it can't answer the question for him. Because he's he's asking it a technical question about what it what it needs to fix and it's just not responding right. to it. I I was expecting it to be like did you use the 3.7 millimeter bolts on this thing? This is no per schematics. We use this. He's like, oh, well, what about over? It's, you know, just endlessly wasting time like that. But he doesn't do that. And if it's an homage to TOS, because Kirk would similarly always talk the computer to death and give it the question right. that he it can't answer. <laughs> it's if it's an homage to that, I don't think it's very good. Uh, just because it's not. It's not pointed enough to to be sort of a, mm-hmm. a sat not a satire but like either like a, a yeah. reference or anything. Um, that's about it. I don't really have anything else to say about Dead Stop, although I did like it uh, quite a bit. We'll get into that with final thought, thoughts. I think should we go to patron questions and maybe they'll spur something. Sure. All right. So we'll take a break, play a clip from the episode, and then we'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts about Dead Stop. He mentioned something about canceling breakfast with him. That was last week. I had to postpone it. Have we been able to locate his parents? Subcommander DePaul's working on it, but it could take some time. Cargo ships aren't always easy to track down. All right, everybody. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the content today. If you did, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file and support the show there. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. You get extra podcasts. We just covered Moon uh, on the podcast on the Patreon. We do the backs, the behind the scenes stuff. We do the commentary videos. There are polls to give access or to vote on what you want it to be covered later on that month. All that good stuff at patreon.com. We have that great we have that great pre- thing we started doing for $15 for a patron. It's we just do live stream us eating an entire jar of peanut butter in like with our hands. Mm-hmm. In record, it, record it's time. It's really it's really popular. I'm not really sure why. It's, I don't know what to tell you, but that's our, our biggest seller. So if you want to come in on that level, that's an option as well. It is. You got it's a, it's a hidden tier. It's called we'll get to it in a jiffy. And like we get every, we get more super chats every time we we yell "find the jelly" <laughs> while we're doing it, and so we're just like shoveling peanut butter into our face, yelling "find the jelly, find the jelly," and it, I don't know it. It's a big hit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why we've been wasting our time watching Star Trek uh, episodes for the past six years when clearly there's a better the money. The the money maker is over in that direction with peanut butter. If we don't have if we don't have a t shirt that's find the jelly <laughs> by the end of the week, then I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> Special thank you, of course, goes to our Captain Tier supporters on Patreon, which include or which in total are Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Cardinal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Kyle Barrett, Samuel Custer, Matt Ross, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Sherlock, Grim Santo, Matt Cutler, Dwayne Hackett, Sean, Jordan Cooper, uh, Derek Zajak. Russell Elwidge, Kevin Reyes of All 13 Heroes, Stephen Minton, David Beardmore, Darth Mosk, HH28, Mad Courier 6, Jacob123, Matt Houston, Mike Harris, Point G, Nick Sergi, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Sieber, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Santuan, Bradley Killens, Corey Martin, Rune Venler, William Scheisler, and Timothy Cooley. Thank you very much, guys. I got a little tongue-tied there during some of that, but I think I got out of it. Find the jelly, Wes. And um, I guess, well, I guess, I guess the one thing we didn't really talk about, the... Uh, What's also kind of interesting is that this space station heals Reed's leg. Um, right, right. Yeah. In some ways, I feel that's a understated 
benefits of this that in a lot of ways almost outweighs its ability to repair starships. Like I imagine yeah. this can cure cancer <laughs> and th- like probably like yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. They don't really. Yeah. It's uh, I'm actually a little bit surprised that they didn't try to backdoor this into some sort of Borg thing because it seems like it's all there. I, I didn't think about that as I was watching it, but once you said it, I was like, yeah, I guess it's all, all kind of there for that. Yeah, yeah. We have a couple of patrons who are going to comment on that. So uh, you didn't mention it. I, I only I only really thought of it at the very end when you see the bodies that are lined up connected to each other. And uh, the really graphic when Archer pulls Mayweather's tubes out and just Kool-Aid yeah. splatters everywhere. <laughs> yeah, what was that? Like, I mean, He just goes up and just he's surgically locked into this thing and he just starts ripping <laughs> tubes out that start spraying what looks like blood everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know... <laughs> He has no idea what these things are doing. It very easily could have killed him. No, and I also like the Enterprise wiping its hand clean of any kind of immoral act by saying they were all brain dead. Don't worry about killing right. them. They're all right. Yeah, <laughs> you were the only one who is still worth rescuing at this point. I don't know if you noticed it. It's the first and only appearance of a Cardassian in Enterprise. Is a Cardassian in the? Uh, oh, I missed there. it. I didn't see him there. Yeah, uh, that's it. So let's go to patron comments. As my phone buzzed for no reason. It's nothing interesting. Uh, So Matt Ross, if you're a patron, you can leave your comments about upcoming episodes. We read them. Matt Ross says, dead stop. Was this an early Borg incursion? We know Mayweather isn't dead. Hard to tell, though, from his acting. And in fact, this is very similar to pieces of TNG or Voyager and kind of like the Enterprise episode, Fight or Flight. The weird altruism of the aliens putting together the ship is clearly nefarious, and yet only Archer, for a change, is concerned. Dealing with the computer felt very DMV-like, but creepier. I keep thinking the Iron Giant when the station moved to rebuild. Still, to me, this was eerie fun. Uh, he reminds me of the only other point that I think I've, I have not yet made, which is that... um. Art, Arch, I, I like this as an early Enterprise episode because I find Archer being suspicious of what's going on while T'Pol is not suspicious of what's going on to be a really interesting plot thing that they do. Mm. Because Archer displays early humanity here where he's like, why does this not cost more money? <laughs> you know, right. like where he's... And T'Pol it has the Star Trek answer where she's like, some, uh, some species have moved beyond... Uh, currency. No one believes in money. They just do things for the good of the good of their heart, which makes sense in a Vulcany to Paul Star Trek way. But Archer mm-hmm. being like, "Yeah, this is too good a deal. I don't, I don't trust right. this deal." I, I think that really works, and is a it's a one probably one of my favorite Archer character beats that he's had across the entire series so far. Yeah, I I just started listening to a new podcast called Fraudsters. Um, which kind of I think is going to fill the hole left by Liar City, which was a big uh, favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first episode, they're talking about um, the Psychic Friends Network and Miss Cleo. And I never understood how that thing worked. Like I, I was when that was a thing, I was too young to ever really understand what 900 numbers were or whatever. Um, and they were explaining that when you when you call it call up. They it's it's like four ninety it's four ninety nine a minute, but like the first three minutes are free, quote unquote. Yep. And you you call up and then they put you on hold for like five minutes, and so at, you're already burning through your three minutes of free time, and then you're into the stuff where they start charging you, and then after that, it's a lot of like it's kind of like being cross examined where they just start asking you questions about yourself. Yeah. Like uh, and it's it's just padding time. Um, how do you spell it's, that? Like, really, how do you spell Smith? Is that the exactly yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah? And it's really interesting because it's like I, I don't know how it's it's so disappointing that they got so much money out of people because you got to think that the people who are who are spending that much time calling a fucking telephone psychic <laughs> and not realizing that they're getting hosed after minute two, yep. um, must have been in dire straits of some kind to the point where it's like, this was the only thing that they could think to turn to. Yeah. The, um, the only, the only thing I had, um, I was, I was the only like real experience I had with like a 1-800 number like that was, I was real young and Nintendo used to have like a, a game tip hotline. Oh, sure. That you yeah. could call. And I remember asking my parents, I got stuck on something. And, uh, I remember my parents, 
probably not realizing what they were signing themselves up to, allowed me to call it. <laughs> and I had to wait. I waited for a long time. I remember that. So I don't know what the phone bill was. But uh, the, only thing I, the only thing I was, I remember I was, I was young and on the phone. And when the person finally picked up, uh, I completely forgot what my question was going to be. And I choked. Oh, I choked and I just gave some other thing that I knew the answer for. And then the person gave me the answer and I said, thank you very meekly and hung up. And I was very disappointed oh, that, it, that I'd failed myself. The uh, the other the other thing that I that they were saying that I didn't realize is if you after you got this huge bill, in order to dispute the call, you had to call another nine hundred number. Yeah, their partner so, in crime. Yeah, so they are they are uh, uh, they're getting you coming and going yep. over there. And I guess the first the first step was the number that they show on TV was an eight hundred number which doesn't cost money to call. But then when you called that, they'd say, okay, we need you to call back using this number, which is a 900 number, which costs money. Right. So it's yep. it's uh, pretty clearly, yeah. Uh, my only experience is the joke that they do in The Simpsons where Homer calls the uh, the phone line to get uh, gambling tips on who's going to win the football game. Right. And it's like, hello, you have called looking for tips. <laughs> <laughs> on the game between Denver and Chicago, like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thomas Darnell says, Dead stop. When I first saw this and Enterprise was still in rough shape from Minefield, my jaw hit the floor. I mean, not in Voyager had consequences like that despite early promises. Unlike most episodes where Archer has a copy of the script that makes him unnaturally optimistic, this time it makes him unnaturally pessimistic, which is something. Also, this station makes no sense. Great horror setup, but who would actually build this? I give this one a four anyway. Right. There should be some sort of, even if it's a forbidden planet kind of thing, just like a little a little bit so you can, you can be like, oh, somebody built this and it went wrong right. or something. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Yep. Point extra G says, starting off addressing the damage done to Enterprise and Malcolm Reed in the last episode is a very nice touch. Even before Archer verbalizes it's a T'Pol, we know some... Or, or they see the sign of like the name of the people who built it and it's like the the Wilborg or something like that. <laughs> and then as, after they blow it up, the camera zooms in and the, the sign that said Will Borg, the will part is just destroyed. Yep, yep. And it just says Borg. <laughs> Even before Archer verbalizes it to Paul, we know that something is not right with the station. And I think it's wrapped up in a very serviceable mystery. It's set up well with Tripp and Malcolm wondering where the computer is and the advanced replicators are very well established early on. Roxanne Dawson does well from the director's chair as well as adding her voice as the station computer. The final shot of the station repairing itself is wonderfully creepy, letting us know that all of this is going to continue. Lassie Librarian says, Hoshi talking about Mayweather's pranks was one of the best character moments he's had so far, and he was dead. This felt like a Doctor Who episode with the creepiness. I laughed a little at Archer yeah. basically allow, basically asking to speak to the manager. If this episode was made today, the aliens who made the repair station would be using all that data that it took from Enterprise to profit somehow. How will the Starfleet feel about this serious data security breach? Three glasses of ice water out of five. Yeah, I, I was thinking it's um a lot of the stuff that they were hitting here, which is like kind of like data data security and stuff like that it, it mm. feels weirdly ahead of its time uh they don't really do anything with it it's just that the ship is absorbing it but uh maybe that's all that they needed to do with it yeah yeah <laughs> if they had had a line where where that uh concern was brought up and then trip or archer was like you should know by now that people don't care and they'll just give their data to anything mm -hmm. as long as it gives them a game to play for five minutes and then it's like wow that's really ahead of its time maybe to tie into your uh discovery thing this is the core that makes that little alien balloon that knows everything remember in discovery the little alien balloon. The, the little like alien sphere that has all the information of the galaxy inside it and in discovery it was a planet wasn't it wasn't it like a it was a living planet it wasn't that big though was it like they could i think it was was it a was it a planet? Because they had <laughs> why, it why, was why? like a living, it was a living planet, and then the planet like downloaded the information onto the discovery. I think. Okay, I remember it being big, but not planet size. Maybe they. So much happens on this show. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's just a small discontrol. Get access to that, and that's what makes it. Smart? That's 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 what it's trying to get, if I remember correctly. So the discovery has all of this information on the ship now. So now control is trying to get the ship. Yeah, right. I think. Okay. Yeah. That's that sounds right. 
Kyle Barrett says, dead stop. The episode manages to turn what could have been a horrendous plot convenience and coincidence where the ship just happens to run into the very thing it needs and is magically repaired into a great episode. It's a solid idea that's executed well with the intriguing mystery, creepiness, and good character moments throughout. I enjoy the gentle serialization, not just with the ship's damage, but with Archer and Malcolm clearly being more comfortable and open with each other after their last episode's events. Although, I could have easily watched 45 minutes of Archer slowly going insane over the squeak in his quarters like that Breaking Bad episode with The Fly. Four creepy Cardassian <laughs> cadaver cameos out of five. That was Kyle's comment? Yes. Wow, nary a mention of shirtless Mayweather. I'm surprised. Yeah, I know. But I think people got to come. Uh, Woodrow says, the acting is really bad all around. Mayweather gets a second shot at sickbay acting. And again, just sounds like he's out of breath. He should have some serious PTSD or computer one computer one oneness but he just sounds sleepy and i'd take ds9 shakespearean over the overacting over it any day too many glaring plot holes such as random teleportations that poorly defend vital systems to paul's exposition on the synaptic integration and not trading mayweather for any item more valuable than a toaster it was all too much i like the idea i don't think i don't think any of those are plot holes uh too many yeah not i wouldn't call them plot holes either they're just kind of um strange choices i guess would be the way that i describe yes. it the the transporter i mean out of all the ones that he, he listed that the transporter just beams you back to your ship does seem like it's a it's built to protect characters on returning series like recurring characters but right. if it was yes. a real threat the computer would just beam them into space like archer had said or i don't know why well i guess i guess because they're trying to be sneaky about it but like why not beam them into the area where they're abducting people or something right and just abduct like, them maybe th- at that point. yeah why 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 do they have to if you if you're saying if we go by what you said where it's reed instead of mayweather why don't they instead of having the computer fake archer's voice to lure him down to that deck of the ship so they yeah. could snatch him and then zap him why don't they have mayweather get transported and then they're like oh my god where's mayweather and then they find his body and it's and he's dead somewhere yeah, right. You know? Yeah. Uh, it was all too much. I like the idea of the space pitcher plant luring ships to their doom with sweet, sweet nectar. But they then they, well, when they blow up the repair station, they don't even grab a single pineapple replicator. Two brain-dead crew members out of five. Wow. Uh, Yarpy says, dead stop. The episode nicely carries on from the previous episode. I wouldn't have minded to see the soft kind of continuity more in Star Trek shows. The episode itself is comp- competently done, but it's not exceptional by any means, but it's still enjoyable viewing. Three fake bodies out of five. Neil Brennan says, is this the, he's not the last one. Two more. Neil Brennan says, was it just me that picked up on some hints of the Borg in the way that the station worked? Also, Mayweather called Hoshi down to the decontamination where he'd smeared strawberry jelly over his admittedly rippling torso. Did I catch that right? <laughs> Horny Trek is back. I enjoyed it and I dozed off halfway through. A vintage Enterprise episode. And the final comments. What, uh, what was he? They do say something about strawberry. Hoshi's... I felt bad for the actress who plays Hoshi because the line she has to deliver is in, like an absurd thing to say when she comes into yeah. the sick bay. It is something about jam or something. I can't remember what it is. I, I'm sure Neil remembers don't remember. more than I do, but yeah. Let's see here. Final comment. Captain Brazen. The Enterprise heavily damaged, listing lazily through space. They find a repair station built by no discernible alien race. Archer questions all things he's as he's the one to be daring. While well, in the station's core, Trip complains like a modern-day Karen. And Archer clumsily is proven right, finding Mayweather now seemingly alive. Tis but a low three shoehorned mystery plots out of five. Very good. Captain Brazen is uh, putting in quite a bit of effort into his poetry yeah. that I have to read, so I appreciate it very much. He gives it three out of five. Um, and I'm sorry if I butchered the uh, the reading there, but it, it was a good poem. I think that's it. Dead Stop. I keep wanting to call it Dead Space, which is a video game. But the only other final thing I'll say before I give it my rating to give you time to think about it, Clay, is uh, this is also, I don't know if you've ever played the game FTL, uh, which is a computer roguelike game um, that came out five years ago. But you're basically like, you pick a spaceship and you get a crew and then you fly through this sort of random map of the universe where you either fight things or you find things and you're trying to get to the end boss to kill the end boss and it's it's different every single time so the the magic is kind of like the randomness that happens to it but Mm -hmm. it'll give you it always gives you these options like you show it up at a place and it goes there's a space station here that appears derelict do you send someone over to uh 
you know, steal its reactor or do you blow it up and hope that you can salvage the scrap? And if you send people over, sometimes it's like, oh, there was an alien spider on board that killed you and you lost one crew. That it reminded this episode reminded me of that of like Mayweather getting taken out at the uh, the, sure. the cost of having to upgrade your ship or something like that. So sure, sure. All yeah. FTL people. I'm going to give it a strong three. I like this one. I don't know if it's a four just because of how. Well, I guess I'll throw it to you before I like is is the space station's lack of clarity of purpose enough to knock this down from a four. I think it's still kind of boring of an episode to mm-hmm. to earn the four from me. I do like it, but I'm not going to I wouldn't I don't know if I would uh, it breaks the barrier of show this to somebody. What do you think? Um I was I think I'm going to go four on it. Okay. Um cuz I I did really enjoy it. I thought it was it was I was legitimately intrigued by the mystery that they were that they were doing like i i i uh i 100 percent bought that mayweather was dead because i i was like yeah i mean it why not why not kill him off they've already not doing anything (laughs) they've already showed the uh i i thought he was dead too but the magical healing powers of the station would bring him back to life yeah i was thinking something more like that so i i i was i bought the that mayweather is dead i was into the uh the mystery the I think the the failing of it is that they don't really give you the full answer. They don't f- fully. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't call it a full give you answer. the payoff. Yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't. I think we both agree. You don't need a full explanation, but I need like one sentence of dialogue more as to what this thing is doing and like whether or not it, um, whether or not it's functioning perfectly as it wants to, or if it's doing something more nefarious. And I think that's kind of right. Important. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, something like that I think is necessary. But um, seeing as I didn't get that until you don't really realize it's missing that till the end, I think functionally it works really well as an episode. Yeah, it's and I just from an enjoyable level, I found this story to be a lot more enjoyable than some of the other ones that I've seen. So like if I was if I was putting a list together of Enterprise episodes to show someone, yeah, this one would be on there. This it would be. It wouldn't be like in the top five. Well, I mean, I don't even know if I have yeah, seen you, any of them. It might the be in your top five, five at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, um, up to this point, probably yes. But like, assuming that there are five great episodes to put ahead of it, uh, I'm going to say this is a four for me. I, I, I would recommend it, but it's not like a uh, game changer. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to see. Like, I, I wonder if I wonder if it's a week four for me. Not that it ultimately matters all that much, but it is. I did enjoy this more than most of the Enterprise episodes we've seen to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to be said for like a very, you know, we've we've bitched about Enterprise's mysteries being kind of bad. I thought this was a good version of an Enterprise mystery. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it is yeah. a four just because of that. It's well, it's it's interesting because the failing of it is ultimately a severe course correction from the way they usually do things, where that usually they lean too much into the reveal of the mystery as being something you're going to care about. And when ultimately you don't, right. whereas this one, they don't give you enough information to really be a payoff to the, to the mystery. Yeah. Um, you could argue there's two mysteries that they have in this episode and they pay one of them off. Like you find out what happens to Mayweather, but you don't, they don't pay off ultimately the mystery of the space station. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a four. I think it's a week four for me, so I'll I'll, I'll do that too, just to reward it because I do. I, I think it, even if for, if for nothing else than at the end of the season, just to remember that I liked this one quite a bit. I think I should bump yeah. it up just to give it that kind of memorability. Uh, cool. So I'm going to give it a four. Clay gives it a four. Patreon.com slash the Penske file is the best way to support the show. You can check out all the other shows at thepenskefile.com. We've got Rotten Horror Picture Show and Badass are currently going on on that website. Everything's on the YouTube channel. Patreon is there if you want to support the show. All that stuff. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Um, not really. Rotten Heart Picture Show comes out this week. We're doing uh, the 2018 Halloween, which uh, is, a, is a really fun movie. And uh, last week we had a new badass where we uh, finally talked about the much previewed uh, Bullet for Bullock in Trial uh, that I've un- unintentionally been hyping for like a month. It arrived. So, it's here. Yeah. And I'm sure it was worth the wait. And Rotten Horror will be out on Wednesday this week for everybody. Mm-hmm. This is coming out Tuesday, so it's tomorrow for Rotten Horror. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed Dead Stop. We kind of did. We gave it fours, and we'll be back with the next episode, which I think has a very generic name. I'm going to click and see. Does it have a generic name? 
Its name is, I think it's like Marauders. Is that correct? The child is jiggling the door handle trying to get in, but I say no to him. It is Marauders. Marauders. Wait, was that the title? No. That sounds like that's, that's, that's that a, sounds like that's one of those. That's a more interesting title. Than, that's one of those Star Trek titles where they just give you too much. No, I can, uh, I can see is, his. <laughs> it w- no, it would be, it would be, uh, it would be like dot, 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 and I say no to him. And then you look it up, and it's like it's actually from a longer <laughs> statement of the child is jiggling the handle trying to get in, and I say no to him. It's a Shakespearean uh, – it's a shortening of a Shakespearean uh, couplet. Yeah, I can see him yes. jiggling the door handle like a velociraptor, and now he's starting to cry. So we'll call it a day there. Thank you very much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.